The views and opinions shared by they might be toxic hosts, guests, or sponsors are those of each contributor and do not necessarily express the official view of the brand. We are not doctors, and this podcast should not be mistaken for therapy. Nothing expressed in this content is intended to malign or harm any party or person. We are simply here to discuss and dissect our toxic relationships and to learn about yours. The following episode covers sensitive subjects, including physical violence and familial violence, and it may not be suitable for all listeners. Welcome to this bonus episode of They Might Be Toxic. Welcome to eggshells. That was my life. It was like, I never knew what I was going to say that it was going to cause me to endure more abuse. And sometimes and it you wasn't... don't even have to say anything. It's like, no. you make a look or you, you know, wear the wrong outfit or, you know, make the wrong body language. And all of a sudden there's, you know, a fight. We, we are taught to put up with that shit. We we're literally taught. It's like, Oh no, no, no. Especially the, the couples fight all the time. Yes. Couples fight, but in a healthy relationship, it's the thing you said last time. You leave the fight having grown a little bit. You know yourself yes. a little bit better. It's not this, you know, destroying each other and crying for five hours. You actually make up and it's productive communication. One of the things with my current relationship that I've learned is that we're both on the same team. I never had that feeling with my previous relationship. Never. It was always either he's right or I'm right. Like there was never a common goal of like, let's try to work this together. It was mm-hmm. more of like, who's going to be right? So I was always on edge because it always felt like a war. Even like small, small events would turn into like the biggest fucking fights that you turn back and you're like, how did we get to fighting so hard over this subject <laughs> that matters zero at the end of the day? Like I had a conversation the other day with my boyfriend and I knew that could have a potential of turning into an argument, but it was so nice and so refreshing to be able to feel safe when you bring something up. Like I'd never felt safety when I I said, hey, babe, let's talk about this. I could always feel this like turn into like, like, his body language and he would have this blank stare of like I'm just formulating my answer to whatever you're saying I'm not listening I'm just I'm looking Reacting. at you pretending yeah. that I'm, yes I'm looking at you pretending that I'm actually listening to you but I'm not listening to one single word you're saying I'm just formulating and taking little snippets of what you're saying and using them to turn it to turn the conversation into somehow this is your fault and now I feel so safe bringing anything up to him, to my boyfriend, because I know that he is truly listening. He's truly coming from a place of love. And even if we don't agree on something, we can both find common ground in a way that we both walk away from it going, I felt heard, I felt validated. And even though we don't agree, we still respect each other. And it's not like, oh, I win or you win. It's it's a completely different ball game when you have a person that is there is there to be a partner versus I'm winning or you know it, I'm gonna win this one like completely different ball game and it's so like foreign to me to experience that that I'm still I mean I'm still on my healing journey so I'm always like 
expecting the worst, you know, like a good victim or a good um, victim of uh, narcissistic abuse, you always feel an edge of like something bad's fixing to happen, even though if everything Especially is when things bad. are good. Like that's the biggest time when you don't feel safe. It feels really unsafe to be safe when you're used to yes. these situations. But once again, having a person that's there out of love and care for you and respect, huge, I mean, respect is huge. Mm -hmm. I've been with, with my boyfriend a little bit less than a year. And I know that if I bring anything up, respect is first. I mean, he loves me and he respects me enough to listen to me and try to put himself in my shoes. Even though it's hard for him, because I mean, we come from completely different backgrounds. There's still that love and that respect in the relationship that we give each other grace and we right. listen to each other before we explode or we try to turn it or we try to win the, the argument without even like thinking through it, you know? It's such a God. Well, and there's know. so One, much scorekeeping with the narcissistic relationship of like you never just have the fight that you're having right now. You have the You're last really 16 hard. fights that you had and, you know, the first time they ever got their feelings hurt and it, and it, the resentments are, you know, they just keep a list of the resentments. Because there's never closure, Maria. If you think about it, when you bring up anything to a narcissist, whether it's your mom, of your course, dad, you're disregarded and you're going to be, that, it didn't, whatever. That you're didn't never validated ever. Yeah. So you bring up something in order to grow, in order to make changes but they never acknowledge that maybe they had a part in that, or maybe there's something that they could do. Like there's never acknowledgement of responsibility. There's never validation ever. Like you'll right. never get that from them. So it's like such a futile endeavor to try to communicate <laughs> with the narcissist. Like when, uh, as an adult, and once I put a name to the abuse that I received from my parents, I try. I made the mistake to try to talk to my mom and try to bring up all this stuff. And holy shit, there's no one time where she went, you know what? You got a point. Yeah, that this really happened. Like to her, none of that happened. I was exaggerating everything. Like there was zero validation on her right. part. And I never understood the term selective memory until I experienced that. Right. You know? I'm really lucky with my parents because, so first of all, I would say, I don't, I have a hard time labeling my dad as a narcissist. I think he had some of the characteristics, but more than anything, I think that he was an anger addict. And I know that he was a dry drunk because he told us that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and my mom was definitely the codependent and the rescuer. But now as adults, what's really nice is as I've learned this, they want to learn it. They weren't mad about me publishing a book. You know, they, and, and even over the last couple of years where we would just have these really real conversations as adults. And I have had the blessing of feeling heard by my parents, feeling like they understand feeling like they see the damage That's that they've awesome. done to myself and my siblings. Cause it's not, you know, when you look at the three of us, I mean, we all have the patterns of abuse in our lives because my dad's anger was never controlled. Right. So it's like, he was more of like a rageaholic. And like, if you look up anger, anger addict, the symptoms are, I mean, it's almost like an exact, it's almost the same thing as an alcoholic. It was just like, 
it's not that they're angry all the time. A lot of times, I mean, my dad is a really compassionate guy. He's very present. He'll talk to you. He'll listen to you. You know, if you're crying, he'll comfort you. But if he's tired and he doesn't feel like dealing with your shit right now. He'll dismiss you without any problem. Well, it's not, it wasn't even that. I mean, we would just get our asses beat and it's not like he would beat us for without a reason. But if there was a reason for an ass beating, then the ass beating would be exaggerated because that's where he's taking his rage out. Did you ever feel that, let's say, in, in Hispanic culture, we got we got spankings. I mean, we yes. got... And I believe in spankings. Spankings are different than just ass beating. Like yes. I received... I remember looking at my mom and seeing this, like, black stare because she was so full of anger and rage and she will beat us accordingly you know so i only had one of those really the infraction never matched the level of beating that i received personally i mean i can't i really can't tell you when it comes to my sisters because i think we all got a different mother (laughs) as we were that's very common you know uh, my oldest sister and I experienced similar or had similar experiences when it came to my mother. But my mom was very much of the, if I'm being abused by whatever it is from my dad, then I'm going to be in a mood that if you commit any kind of infraction, it's a great, and it's a great, great, great opportunity for me to take it out. Like release my anger. And I remember getting beaten for like, the dumbest shit ever like I remember one of us ate a chocolate that we weren't supposed to eat and nobody would piss out to it and she beat the ever leaving shit out for eating chocolate I mean looking right. back it's like how could you could you even do that to your child for eating a piece of chocolate right you know what's difficult for me is so I did get, like I said, like 99.9% normal spankings for doing a bad behavior, getting disciplined, Mm -hmm. not the things that stand out in your mind, right? Just, I, you know, I don't think I have issue with that at all, but I did get one ass beating that was just insane. Uh, I had not cleaned my room, which I was terrible about that. I mean, you could see my trauma all over the place when I was a kid, right? Like my room was always just a mess. And so I had not cleaned my room. I piled all my laundry up on my bed and I put a blanket over it, right? Like, so <laughs> inconspicuous, right? Like, nobody's, nobody's going to find this. pile of laundry. And I went to my friend's house to play. And what's really funny is as an adult, uh, I'm very much into human design. And my human design says exactly that, that like, I want to play before I work. And that is very true. I would much rather play than work. I don't want to work hard. I want to work like this much, right? So anyways... I'm coming home and I, and we have a two bedroom house and I see my bedroom light on and I'm like, shit. Yes. So I get up there and I, my dad just wailed on me, you know, with the, with the metal end of a belt. And I mean, he was, this is really sad and it's actually really hard to see on camera. I'll try not to cry through it, but like I was at that really innocent age. I think I was either probably eight or nine, maybe 10 at the oldest, but I was at that really innocent age where I really believed in Christianity. I was very churchy. I went to youth group. I prayed. I was very, you know, I was very innocent. And I remember the week before that at youth group, the lady said, if anybody's ever doing anything to you and you want them to stop, 
you tell them stop in the name of Jesus and they will stop. Yeah. You can bet that I was like, my religion was definitely like, I mean, it took, you know, I'm very spiritual and I definitely believe in God, but I never went back to the Bible. I never went back to church. Like it was just, that crumbled it. It was so epic that like, literally I was black and blue. I could, and it was just from the waist down. Right. But like, I was so bruised that I couldn't sit at school and I got sent to the nurse and the nurse called child protective services. And it was literally the last ass beating anybody got in my family. It was, um, and you know, what's crazy yeah. is when I was around my parents in Vegas, the last couple of years, my mom asked me about this specific ass beating and then she asked my dad, you know, like, is there anything that you want to say? And he goes, I honestly don't remember. Like he blacked out from the rage. He literally has no memory. And that's like one of my biggest and most traumatic memories of childhood. It's so funny because, you know, PTSD is weird. Last year and the year before I was trying to, um, get more joy in my life. And I was trying to think about, you know, like the things that I liked doing as a kid and I love like music and dance. And I remember being really decent at the piano and I wanted to like actually get good and take lessons. And so I bought a keyboard. The year of the ass beating, I had a keyboard and I couldn't have the fucking keyboard in my house. Like every time I looked at it, triggering. I, all I remembered is, oh yeah, that's why I stopped playing music. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like little things were, would trigger you into like changing your behavior completely. When I went, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but when I went to take care of my mother while she was dying of cancer, there were so many things that my memory had completely ignored for years, you know, like, my body had gone, oh, we're not going to remember that because we're going to protect you. So we're going to just put those in a box and we're not going to talk about this anymore. And those memories are there in that box and just we'll leave them there. When I went to take care of my mom, it was in the in the home where when I was a kid, I received a ton of beatings. I remember being in this this landing when I was a kid, well, no, while I was taking care of my mom while she was asleep, being on the phone with my best friend, telling her all that I was going through, and I'm le- I'm laying down in this landing, and I'm looking up, and there's this crack on the ceiling, and I remember that crack when I was a kid, and I received such a severe beating that I was left in that landing crying. And I fell asleep. But I remember looking at that crack, at the same fucking crack when I was six years old. And just focusing on that as I'm crying and falling asleep. And that memory came back rushing like, like it happened a few minutes ago. And you know how trauma is, is your body makes you go through the same feelings that you went through when the trauma happened. And it was so powerful. And after that, every single corner of the house had a memory attached to it that I had been kept that been kept in that in that box for so long. But they came back with such a fury. So on top of having to take care of my mom as she's dying, having to take having to take care of my abuser. Right, with like the most loving compassion that you can 
dig up from your soul. Yeah, but trust me, it wasn't even like I wasn't doing it for for her. Of course not. I was doing it because my relationship with my mom had been strange for a long time. And at the point when she was diagnosed with cancer, I had blocked her from everything because she was she kept the toxic abuse. So I was like, I'm not I'm not doing this shit anymore. So when we found out she she had cancer, I blocked her and then we organized ourselves to like go and take care of her. So I'm taking care of this person that I have no feelings for. Right. And I hate saying that because I know now as an individual that's going through healing that although she abused me, she didn't know any better. Of course. She was doing literally the best that she could with whatever she did or didn't know. Yeah. So I have a lot of compassion for that person, even though of all the shit that she did to us. Right. I mean, I've I've definitely had no issues forgiving my parents for anything. I think when oh, you yeah. become an adult, you really realize like, oh, damn, like they were just tr- like totally struggling through They're it. Human. Like I cannot imagine having four children with my abusive ex-husband. And staying married to him for 20 years. I would be insane. I don't know how my mom, I mean, she. Li- I sometimes feel like she literally has the patience of a saint. And, you know, my dad, it, it, he treats her well, but, but he do you still ever feel, has the explosive anger. And, you know. Do you ever feel resentment towards your mom for staying in that marriage? Because I, I did for the longest time. Because I don't think although- I do. Although my dad was not abusive, like actively abusive towards us, like physically, because I think as a child, you know, the physical abuse is huge. Like if you have it right. happening to you, because you internalize a lot, you blame yourself because in your head, your parents are perfect. So right. if they're abusing you or if they're hitting you, you must be doing something wrong. So you internalize it. Well, and I think too, it's like because that spanking line is so gray, you don't really mm-hmm. understand the difference between getting the shit beat out of you and receiving a spanking for discipline, right? Because discipline. because the the dysregulated parent goes from giving discipline to becoming fully yes. dissociated, right? Like they, just like my dad, like he checked out. His rage was so high. Over the top. Yeah. yeah. And I think that is a form of um, love bombing. Or I felt that my mom would beat the shit out of me. Like, be so enraged and then it would be like she will snap back into normalcy and she'd be like I'm sorry and you could tell that she was right. literally broken when she's like apologizing for beating the shit and I'd be like bloody like Maria she beat the shit out of me I have blood pouring down my head and she would look at me like oh my gosh like what happened to you let me help you and it was such a mixed message when it comes to like your parents supposed to protect you and love you and here they are beating the shit out of you and then apologize and then you feel guilty and that's how I think how codependents are created because you get beat the shit out of they apologize and then you feel bad for even having any because you may have been mad like that's what you think so that's what I learned growing up is that even though she is abusing me in a way that a parent shouldn't abuse, shouldn't abuse anybody. And somehow I'm making myself believe that it's my fault somehow. So I need to make it better. You know, it's, right. it's, it's my fault. 
Have you ever noticed that you apologize? I over apologize. I apologize for everything. I, and it's like my boyfriend is like, you need to stop apologizing because none of this is your fault. And I was like, it's, it's a habit. And then you're like, I'm sorry for apologizing. Yes. It's <laughs> like, I don't know how to turn that shit off. And I know it's not my fault, but I feel compelled to like apologize. Like when I caught my I think that's husband. part of being the family scapegoat, right? Is like you were used to being the excuse for their shitty behavior for so long yeah. that you actually believed them when they told you that you were the reason that they acted like an ass. Yeah. And all the abuse is your fault. And I've I've come to terms that I don't want to blame my parents for for who I am, you know. Because I've developed a lot of bad behaviors just to cope with having that type of childhood. So I don't blame my parents for who I am. I do blame my parents for a long time for not trying to find a healthy way to deal with us, you know. Because I know my mom was aware of the toxic behaviors that she had, but she never, like, wanted to change you know, for our sake. So I do blame them on some level for their lack of initiative to like try to be better because you want to be the ones that break that cycle that 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 behavior is never there. And because I think they never thought that they were doing anything wrong. Right. Well, and what's difficult is that like, you know, as I watch, as I've watched the generations come up in my family of like my siblings having kids and that sort of thing, there hasn't been that same level of abuse, but there's still, mm. you know, there's still so much head fucking going on. <laughs> like, yes. I don't see anybody being Brene Brown in my family. You know what I mean? There's nobody who's present. And I mean, I, I've heard, you know, my nephews get screamed at and I, it, it's just like, I really, you know, well, what's difficult for me is the language of, well, if you're not getting the shit beat out of you, what are you bitching about? Like, oh, but th- that's, the that's same what's concept. so difficult is because the the abusive language is almost more destructive. Like, if I just would have gotten my ass beat and then never would have married a psychologically abusive asshole, my life would be so much different. Like, I'm not saying I wish I would have married a physically abused person instead, but my point is, there was definitely a time in my life where I was more able to have healthy relationships. I trusted myself to make those decisions and I do not trust myself anymore. Like the more times I've stepped in coal, I'm like, shit, it's like my feet have radar for coal and I just go looking for it. And you know, the, the, the guy that's, you know, like on fire and like there's smoke coming out. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's the one. He seems safe. That's the one. Yeah. But that guy won't burn me. I think in my case, growing up being, I was abused physically as well as um, verbally. Like my mom would say some shit that I'm like, like one time I remember she was holding a knife to my throat after a beating. Because at this point, I was getting to be almost her height. So the the beatings kind of started slowing down. Because I think she felt like eventually she would lose control and she wouldn't be able to do that because then I I was getting a little bit more ballsy, you know. And I remember her holding a knife to my throat and saying, saying to me the words of, I wish I had never given birth to you. Like, 
those words still ring in my head that somebody would say that to their own child, you know? And I knew that that was not something good for you to say to your child in any way. I don't care how angry you are. You could never say those words to your child because once they're there, you can't really back up, you know? So I knew I was being abused in both hands, like the physical and the, the mental or verbal. So as an adult, I was like, fuck this. I'm escaping this. I'm leaving this behind. I'm never going to let anybody treat me like that. Well, 50% of it, I was right. You know, nobody's ever physically abused me. But it felt safe being with somebody that made me feel like shit because that's what I needed. Yep. So I gravitated towards that type of relationships. And when I had a relationship and they were safe and they were loving, to me, I was boring as hell. You know, it's like, I don't like this. You know, it's not yeah. providing the drama in the level of constant alert that I'm used to. So my brain cannot find any good in this. And I would, I would totally break off those relationships. <laughs> On purpose. Like, I would just sabotage those relationships and not think twice about it. The ones, you know, I ended up with somebody like my ex-husband or the one, the boyfriend before him was the same level of, he doesn't have to hit me, but he is abusing me mentally. And I'm allowing yeah. it because that's safe. You know, I know how to live in this environment. You know, I got this. But it is crazy how we are wired when you receive that type of abuse from the beginning, from your developing years, how we are wired to like seek that in order to feel safe. Well, and to seek the broken relationship, right? Like we want the guy who we can make him fall. You know, it's like, we don't just want the one that comes out of the package with all the right parts. We want the one that's missing a wheel. What a project. Uh, yeah, totally. I, oh, I can definitely make that guy. I love the challenge of, you know, getting that person to. I can, I can fix them. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I think there's a level of like egotism in that, in that behavior of like. Absolutely. me. Like that's where we get our high, you know, by. Telling by ourselves finding. the story that we are responsible for someone else's yeah. hard work and healing that they did for themselves Fucked up because I think the people that are more like that most like that are the ones that are so broken inside it's kind of like I used to clean homes uh, in college just to make extra money and I noticed that it was easier for me to clean somebody else's home than to clean my own so it's the same I'm great at giving people advice about their lives and shit and they're like hell yeah Best thing I've ever heard. Super wise. I love talking to you. And I'm like, yeah, I'm good at this. But then when you're looking at your own home and your own situation is a total shit show. So it's like, we need to invest all this intention and all this care that we put into like helping other people inwardly. But I think that at some level, we feel like we're not worth that. Of you course. know, we're not worried. What's really ironic is that literally today, so last week I decided I'm going to start saying what I need and asking for help, which is really foreign oh, for me. Oh, that's hard. And I, uh, I, I hate, I mean, it's not that I hate cleaning my house. I keep it pretty averagely clean, but I don't like doing like the deep stuff, right? So today I'm having a housekeeper 
come by to clean. And I'm so excited, right? Like I did all the pre-cleaning and she's just going to do the stuff I don't want to. But for me to just schedule something like that. That's huge. And to not gaslight myself about what a piece of shit I am for receiving help. When I, you know, it's that whole, well, if you could do it yourself, then you're just being lazy. Maybe I'm overwhelmed or maybe it would just be nice to have the house perfectly clean. I don't have to do it. Oh my gosh. You know, what did I read? I think I read something the other day about how we, we, we give excuses to ourselves to not take care of ourselves, you know, like growing up is so funny. The environment in my house was like, you couldn't be sitting down if my mom was cleaning or if she was doing you had to be joining on the fun and be cleaning and doing something because if my Is mom she was rage cleaning, clean? yes, yeah, I had a like I had she a rage would, cleaning grandma and my sister actually too, <laughs> and she would make you feel like shit for taking a rest, you know. And I've always been taught like nobody ever told me to be this way, but just by example, that if I was sitting down and there was still shit that needed to be done, that I was lazy and there was a piece of shit. There was never a time in which my mom would be like, you know what, just rest, just relax. We we can do this tomorrow. Like there was never that sense of like, it's okay to rest and listen to your body and and take a break sometimes. No, it was constant, always shit needs to be done. And if you're not working towards something, you're being lazy. Right. And I'm having to fight that demon so much with my own kids because they're kids. I can't be pushing all this responsibility on them. They need to be allowed to be kids for a little bit. You know, I want them to be good human beings and learn how to clean and do all this stuff. But I also want them to have the the level of self-awareness of if I'm not doing well mentally, I need a fucking break. And it's okay if the house is not clean for a yep. little bit. Like the 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 world is not going to end. Like I need to, I need to start believing that on my own self because yes. I feel like sometimes is a coping mechanism for me is just to clean and to keep busy. So I feel like I'm moving forward instead of just like listen to my body and just relax, you know? There's this really sad meme that said, you know, like all mammals get the zoomies. Why don't humans get the zoomies? And the, the, you know, like the joke was, well, it's beaten out of us in childhood. Like we're so resistant to joy and fun and dancing and laughter and wearing bright colors and being silly and being seen. It's insane how resistant we are to fun. Like to me, you know, the people who I love the most in my life, I have this one friend, Lou, when we got on the phone, like guaranteed at least four or five belly laughs. And sometimes I'm laughing so hard that I'm like in pain. Like that is the most godly self-regulation that you can do of like laughter, dance, joy, you know, just jumping on the trampoline. I mean, just remember the shit that you used to want to do as a child, even sex. It's like we build all this shame around the things that oh, actually yeah. make us feel good. And then there's this big fucking story about, you know, you haven't done this and you haven't done this and you haven't done that. So you can't have fun, can't feel good. Put those at the bottom. I mean, literally our jobs should be feel good. Go get some work done. Feel good. Yeah. Thank you for listening to They Might Be a Toxic Podcast. We truly appreciate your likes, subscribes, shares, and especially your time. We wish you safety, insight, and empowerment as you navigate your own healing path. They Might Be Toxic podcast airs every Sunday 
at 8 a.m. Central. If you've enjoyed our content, please subscribe and look for our books on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold.